Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. This is episode 105 of Death Readers, the podcast where Rob and I discuss the books we're reading for the first time and share our thoughts and notes with each other. If this is your first time listening, we suggest you read Exile Book 2 in the Dritz de Worden series, chapter 6 through chapter 11, before listening to this episode. That way you can follow along with our conversation. Rob, do we have any housekeeping for this episode? No. I didn't think we did either. Uh, and I think that's correct. <laughs> as far as I know. <laughs> cool. Well, then uh, let us sink our teeth into the meaty, myconoid meat of this episode and bring ourselves to... Chapter 6, Blingdenstone. All right, here's a summary. Dritzt. Now chained to a chair in the Deep Gnome City, communicates with his captors, explaining Guinevere, and mentions the name of the gnome whose hands were hacked off in the previous book. The gnomes suggest Dritzt will be executed. Don't worry, he won't. <laughs> Back in Menzo Berenzan, the Zacnafine Revenant kills Risen, and Denin is tasked with guiding the zombie to the place where Dritzt defeated his siblings. Do you have any notes? Yeah, I got some notes. I have at least one note in this chapter. Is it right at the start of the chapter? I don't know. Then I'll read mine. Uh, uh, okay. Right out of the gate, I didn't like how Blingdenstone was described. Why? What do you mean? Well. Elaborate. I'm tired of waiting. (laughs) There's a passage I copied down, and I shall now read it. While Menzo Berenzan sprawled in a single huge cavern, Blingdenstone was comprised of a series of chambers interconnected by low tunnels. Yeah. Were this the case, this calls to mind like a hamster habit trail or an ant farm? Yep. Meaning Dritz would only see one cave at a time. The narration implies that he has x-ray vision or there's transparent rock. What do you mean? Like, why does it imply that? <sighs> Are you saying how could he have no, no, the no, capacity? Give me, give me a sec. Give me, give me a sec. I'll, I'll, I'll explain why. And that reason to answer your question is because... No, it's okay. I'm just, while you're uh, no-ending me, I'm you're shutting me down from uh, p- p- positing ideas. I'm just going to quench my thirst with a dusty Oreo. I didn't realize there was no-ending you. I thought I was, I, I, was, I was trying to convey that there was a sentence I had left out of my, because oh. it was from a different paragraph. So that probably oh. was thrown into uh, light. Blingdenstone was different from anything that Dritz had ever seen. And then they describe it like he's seeing this hive of activity, but he couldn't because there's rock in the way. You're, you're, you're giving me that look like I'm being too literal again. I am? I am being too literal again? Kind of? Kind of, yeah, sort of, exactly. Well, what's your note then, Mr. Note Taker? <laughs> my, uh, my question to you would be, uh, I think I think you make a good point, except that they have to get him from point A to point B, right? So point B, we don't know how far point B is from point A. So the amount of tunnels and little chambers he has to go through to get from the entrance to the uh, interrogation room sure. is a length of time we are is not given to us. So in that it is feasible in that length of time from point A to point B it's entirely possible that Dritz could have seen quite a lot of the ant hill farm that is Blingdenstone. 
Yes. And develop the understanding of what the entirety of the society looks like from that, extrapolated rather, yes. from the, the, the path he was led upon. Absolutely. And the Except... way you write, though, the way you write that is, Dritz was ushered from one cave to another and suddenly realized that they were never-ending interconnected series of tubes. This was completely unlike Menzo Berenzan, which was one huge cavern. This was a possibly infinite amount of tunnels and rooms. And you show us that realization. That feels a lot longer. This feels a lot more concise. Yeah, but and, he, uh, he has many other places he could shorten things up, too. And overall make the book better. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know if this is that important. Okay. I think it's representative of why I'm struggling with this book. Fair enough. Although, ironically, I could have written my critique better as well. You're not and on trial. For, I am, always. I mean, yes, and... And, wait, 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 yes, and I'm also in contempt of court. <laughs> okay, but how can I be on not on trial and in contempt? That doesn't make sense. You're the lawyer. Oh, shit. I have to do all the work. See, this is why, <laughs> this is why I don't have a problem with this book. Because <laughs> <laughs> you do all the work for him. <laughs> um... Sustained. I guess what I'm suggesting is that maybe you you are still asking him to do all the work for you, which well, I don't I'm think asking him to do all the work of a writer. I, I think that you're. <laughs> I think it's. I, I'm not. I, again, I have plenty of criticism for this. I think this one is weird. Because <laughs> um, again, the, the I don't. I think that you're misinterpreting the point of that sentence as to illustrate Dritz naivete or nascentness to the outside world instead it's the point of that sentence is to communicate to the audience what the world they're about to enter looks like mm -hmm. which is all clear plexiglass stone <laughs> uh, my note is uh, Dritz forgets Belvoir's name which I believe the last book suggested that he would never forget it mm. I thought I thought it said Belwar would never forget Dritz. No, that's well. I mean, I have. Uh, we could. If you want to look through it, go for it. I didn't. I should have done this before. It's okay. It's probably towards the end of that chapter, whichever chapter it is. That's the problem. I don't well, remember. Well, but you you can look at you know a, a a table of contents or a chapter list sometime uh, later. I mean, I feel like I have to read the whole chapter in order to. Yeah, this is a bad note. I should have done more work for it. Later still. Ah, 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 ah. Oh, Salvatore. Yeah? Consider yourself caught. From the first book. Uh, I now present to the court an excerpt from Homeland, book one in the Dritz Jordan series, written by R.A. Salvatore. Uh... In chapter 23, A Single Clean Blow, uh, in my edition, page 275, uh, I will turn the court's attention to the third paragraph on the page, last sentence, and I will actually begin a sentence or two before. Here we go. <coughs> Dritz wisely kept his head turned away, pretending not to listen. He had indeed heard the name of the gnome leader who had shown him mercy, Belwar. The other, Svrfilbremen, 
had said. Belwar, a name that Dritz would never forget. Uh, Your Honor, in light of recent evidence, uh, the defendant would like to change his plea. Guilty as sin. <gasps> right? Yes, that fanfare is famously the, 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 the fanfare that they play when uh, court adjourns. So anyway, that's what bummed me out. Was yeah. I, I read that and I was like, I'm pretty sure I remember him making a... What, here's a... Okay. <laughs> the thing about these books that I don't... One of the things I don't like is I don't like this sort of retroactive journal style writing that finds its way into places where it doesn't belong. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a third person om, person omniscience that finds its way into a uh a, oh no, excuse me, a first person omniscient that finds its way into a third person omniscient story. Okay. Cuz it's the same problem I have with all those weird like interludes where Drids is just like Guinevere, I love you so much. You're paws and your fur oh lord you're the best cat ever my best friend my shadow all that shit it's just like they're in back again the dritzter word epic i don't fucking why just like stop it stop it like stop taking away all the possible suspense that something could happen to this character by sure. telling me he's fine in fifty thousand years um that's exactly what this feels like. It feels like one of those moments where future Dritz slides into this third person omniscient story and says, by the way, I will never forget his name. And it's like, why, why do that? Why take me out of it? Especially. And then to like come back later and actually forget his name in the very next book. The, the one time you would need to stay true to that moment. Right. You've totally drop it. Yeah. It sucked. I didn't like that. It was a bummer. I mean, I, I, it was a thing where it's like it had to be it had to be like there for, I guess, suspense, but also lame. Just remove that. That's that's a part. You of could even have done it where he had to grope for the sounds of the word because because he hadn't talked for so long and he had to remember how to speak that I would have bought that because he'd been doing that with everything else. Right. But since you made a point of saying one thing, you know, remember what you wrote or go back and reread it. Yeah. Make things fit. Yeah. Um, um, my only other uh, note here is after Zachnafine kills Risen, puts away his swords bloody, clean your fucking swords, people. That really bothers me. I feel hey like like they're, any... They're magic. Is that a thing? Is that a thing? Is that, that an established well, I mean, thing in your know. book? Have your you little, ever read Harry guide, Potter? Guidebook? No, no, no. In your little Dungeons and Dragons manual. Do they what? have uh, cl- self-cleaning scabbards? There's literally a spell called Prestidigitation, which is a cantrip, which means you can just p- do it like almost endlessly, um, which just cleans anything. So you could easily just be like, oh, shit, my thing's dirty. Prestidigitate, it's fine. But Zach Nafine wasn't into wizards and magic. But all elves the... have, all drow have innate magical abilities, Prestidigitation being a very easy spell to learn to cast. Then I need to, then, then he needs to tell me that's what they're doing. No, this is, no, you understand. This is the mirror, mirror universe, okay? Is that why they I'm, all have little goatees? I'm you from yeah. our first series. I'm you from the Harry Potter years. 
Yes, I but I don't to. need that pointed out. I admitted that I was that way. You don't, you need to show me some dark, inverted version of myself. I'm fully cognizant of my ill behavior. That's, that doesn't change the fact that this has to be the way it is. This was fated. This was <sighs> like destiny. It is. It is written. I have to be the one who goes in and says, well, obviously this happens. And then you can go, well, they should tell me that. And then I go, okay. And then you go, I'm, I'm indignant. Righteously so. Clear stone. Fine. <laughs> um, That's all I have for that chapter. Okay. Well, then what does that bring us to? Part two. Belwar. Belwar. Summary. Yep, Dritz is back at it again with the shallow musings of a terminally ill patient. This time, he's talking about how great gnomes are. Awesome. <laughs> I've got nothing. Me neither. That brings <laughs> us to... Chapter 7. Most Honored Borough Warden. This is actually what I have to say about that summary in part to part 2. Or of part 2. Stop it. <laughs> Stop doing these. They are dumb, and they don't... They... I, I feel like it's it's like that thing where you get trapped. The author has gotten trapped in their own trope. Like, like we talked about this with Harry Potter. J.K. Rowling got trapped with the school year. Mm -hmm. She got trapped with the with the, the 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 template she had built for herself. She has to Harry Potter a Harry Potter book has to have these things in these orders. Yeah, they have to go this way, and it has to end this way. Has to start with you know Harry doing whatever the like I mean I I remember I had the thing like basically written out but it was like he's got to find a magical way to get to Hogwarts that's different every year you got to up that whimsy you got to lack of a better term chase that dragon and then once he gets to Hogwarts there has to be a new defense of the dark arts teacher who he has to have issues with and then at the end of the book he defeats the defense of the dark arts teacher in a dark place or some other bullshit it, it's just like it has to go that way i think r.a salvatore is also booking himself in or setting himself up for the same kind of failure where he insists on separating his acts or his parts with these weird whimsical interstitials from a future dritz a character we don't know so right. like they have no meaning because we don't know who that character is because we're starting in book one and it all they do is interrupt the the flow and the tempo that's not to say he can't have sly nods to the first trilogy which is now the second trilogy but sure but i'm expecting this to i'm expecting these things to happen in the next in, in oh no sure four. sure but i mean to have you could have nods to that future self that people be like oh i get it that we would be totally oblivious unless we read this you know second time right but this is not that no, and and I and I I I would love just to suggest. I, I guess that's what I was actually responding to when I wasn't actually listening to what you were saying. I apologize, but like if what he was doing was like doing this as a as a thing for the prequels, mm -hmm. like oh these are only things that occur in the prequels, so that you know it's a prequel. Okay, maybe, but I bet you if I opened up the crystal shard and flipped through, I would find part one. I bet you I would find that because I think it's more his actual style for the whole of the series. But I thought Dritz was like a smaller character in Crystal Shard. Oh, you know what? That's a good point. I might just have to grab Crystal Shard and see if it no, starts No, you can't do it. One. You can't. You mean I have to, right? No, no, you mustn't. Oh, it's no. Not uh, no, you're, you're, you're not ready for that knowledge. You're telling me I should refuse the call? <sighs> God damn it. <laughs> 
Damn you, Joseph Campbell. <laughs> you must not open the book. The Crystal Shard. Book four, The Legend of the Dritzer. <laughs> this is not how we do things here. Part one. Ten towns. Dred Stewart and... God damn it! <sighs> Not only am I upset at this wanton breach of etiquette, but I'm upset that you were right. Put it down. Well, I just oh want to my... see, like, if there's a... Oh, here it is. Yep, there's a, there's a part two for sure. And, uh... Oh, guess who it's written by? Dred Stewart. So... <sighs> now I'd be curious if that was added later once it became a series or if it's... oh that's interesting what a what a curious concept i'm sorry that i, I understand that you yeah, that clearly sounded sarcastic and 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 like shitty i'm no, sorry no that didn't sound sarcastic i'm sorry that my genuine like curiosity's tone sounds like i'm being a dick <laughs> oh did it's... you think you sounded like a dick yes uh and i i can i can acknowledge that and also, uh, it's an affliction. Oh, it's, but this is just the mirror universe. Now it's my turn to just accidentally sound like a dick. No, because it's not an accident for you. No, it's, it's not. A, it's an affliction for me. <laughs> I suffer from accidentally sounding like a dickitis. I know. <laughs> uh, we're in chapter seven, right? Most honorable borough warden. Most honored. No. There you go. Uh, summary. Yeah. Don't preempt the summary. No, it never. Belwar meets with Dritz and saves him from execution. They catch up, and Dritz begins living with Belwar. That's it. That's <laughs> what happens in this fucking chapter. And my, I, I will, I will write my, or I will recite my note, but it is answered later. Uh, Belwar patted Dritz once, or Belwar patted Dritz on the shoulder with hammer or pickaxe. He doesn't have any hands. How can he pat him on the shoulder? With the yeah, with we the know. Hammer. We find out later. <laughs> okay. They don't say it. Jesus. I really do feel like you're like these do feel like you're asking for a bit much. Oh, we patted him on the shoulder with what? His butt cheeks. <laughs> How am I supposed to know what someone pats with on the shoulder? They pat with their hands, but he doesn't have any. Right. But it doesn't mean he doesn't have prosthesis. It does mean that you might want to describe exactly what's happening. Or is he they did. did. Not, not then. Not then. But I've already it's admitted like, that. Take it's like you it. want. It's like you want subtitles for your book. <laughs> I or want it's pop like a video. You know what it is. You know what I know it is. What? you got used to annotated books. You got addicted to annotated versions of books, and you got used to someone spelling this stuff out for you, and you've gotten your brains uh, gotten lethargic. That's what's happened. Mm-hmm. Tell me that you haven't re- Tell me. Tell the audience that it, you haven't am, read annotated you books. You are wrong. An annotated book is like a director's commentary or a producer's oh, commentary. It? Is oh, they're so have, but have rich you, have with you, anecdote mm, and information. Mm-hmm. And explanation? Uh, maybe occasionally. <laughs> that might c- crop up here or there, but that's not what it's about. Annotation's an art form. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. 
So you you would be willing to uh, attest in front of the court that you have not read annotated books, even though you have such reverence for them? No, I have read annotated books. I don't oh, understand have you? You have. Oh, Besides, you courts are, adjourned. Are... Didn't you hear the fanfare? So you are <laughs> new. This is a new court. This is a new court case, man. This is a, this is a society that only has one court case. Uh, I mean, that's not some sort of utopia. <sighs> anyway, anyway, I'll let you off the hook. I the case dismissed. Um, my note for me, it's on page one hundred eight. Okay, here's this. Uh, I think that you should open up your version of this to tell me if you have a the same problem in yours. Um, so it's chapter 7. It's like the... I don't know how to, to tell you how to read it, but it's it's in the chapter... It's in the paragraph that starts, Dritz quietly recounted. Man, Dritz... Oh, here I found it. Do you want me to read well, it? I guess I guess like yeah, I guess I'll just have you read it and then I'll I'll explain my thought process and you can chime in. So read up until you get to the sentence that ends regionalism pass. Oh yeah, okay. Dritz quietly recounted to Belwar the story of the last decade of his life, of the impending war between House de Urden and House Honet, of his meeting with Massage and Alton, where he acquired gu- Gunweaver. Of the sacrifice of Zachnafine, Dritz's mentor, father, and friend, and of his subsequent decision to forsake his kin and their evil deity, Loth. Belwar realized that Dritz was talking about the dark gods the deep gnomes called Loth, but he calmly let the regionalism pass. That was confusing to me, too. Right. Um. So I think I read it up. I read it like four or five times, over and over and over, trying to get what the <laughs> fuck you're talking about. Their evil deity, Loth. Oh, he means the dark goddess, Loth. Right. Exactly. That's that's what I just realized in reading it again. But it's still dumb. It's very, it's very dumb. Like at least change the name. Yeah. Give it something else. Give it, uh, or, or 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 even if they flipped it, because it'd be like, if if Dritzt hasn't yet, on a deep level, uh associated Loth with evil, he could just be like, our dark goddess Loth, who I don't really like. And Belwar goes, oh, you mean the evil goddess Loth? Would make more sense. Right. Or like, except again, that drows appreciate, they worship evilness. They, it's, they do like that. I know it's hard to, to understand, but they like evil. They like evil, specifically. It doesn't mean a bad thing to them. It's a good thing to them. I understand. I just it, it 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 was very confusing because yeah it should have been oh they're talking about the spider goddess Laleth would even exactly have made sense. Or, or or like or like you know oh, oh you mean um you say Satan I say old scratch or something like that or sure. I say the devil or Beelzebub like like he he has so many names but he's that we all mean the same thing this bad guy yeah um this was like it's almost like it's the same entity with the same name yeah. as two different groups worshiping it for different reasons. Every Christmas, Santa Claus brings me presents. Oh, you mean Santa Claus who brings presents on Christmas? Right, right. Or, yeah. <laughs> what? Well, actually, it's more like, oh, you mean Santa Claus who brings me, uh, who, who uh, throws eggs at my house on Christmas? And it's like, must be a regional thing. It's like, eh. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But even, like, in the actuality of, like, the Santa Claus mythos, it's like, oh, you mean uh, Father Christmas? Like, yeah, same characters Nick. do the same thing, kind of look different, but sure. they, and they have slightly different names, but they're obviously the same character. Right. 
fucking anyway. It's that, very, that, very odd. Maybe, really maybe he me meant out. to write something else and forgot, put a placeholder in one, and it went off to the publisher, and they just published it. Because they're like, Dumb. I don't know what the fuck any of this means. Sure. Yeah. All right, that's all my notes to that chapter. Do you have any? Nope. Then that brings us to... Chapter 8, Strangers. Summary. Several 10 days, which is what the drow call a 10-day week and is different from a 7-day week, pass, and Dritz becomes better friends with Belwar, who's housed the drow and counseled him through his violent outburst. Dritz begins venturing into the deep gnome society and making friends with the gnomes his age. Back at the mossy cave, the spirit wraith Zachnafine has arrived and kills all the Myconoid people, including their 11-foot-tall king. I heard what you did there, but people who listened to the last episode will side with me, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get into it again. Um, you don't think that the the Myconoid king was 11 feet tall? It says it pretty clearly. That's not what I'm talking about. Oh well, I think he was seven and a half feet tall. Well, seven and a half isn't 11, and the book says 11, so. <laughs> um, I can't, I can't help but feel that if the prose was more casual, it would be more engaging. I think he spends so much time trying to sound like what he thinks this medieval speech would sound like that a lot of his effort goes into that. It just kind of, I'm just kind of like, we're still doing it. Just, just say things casually, like in a normal modern speech with, you know, peppered with your, your, your fucking old timey talk would be, it would be much more delightful to read. I don't know. I feel like you're projecting a little bit on him again. Like this idea that like your, your, your criticism is, is sounds like it's based on this idea that you understand he's attempting to do something that he's failing at. I, I submit that I, there's no evidence that he's not just writing how he writes. I hear what you're saying, but I also like, I think it, the, the thing you know, that is, is absolutely subjective is how you're interpreting it. Mm-hmm. So like, I would say it's more like, you are sensitive to this kind of writing in a way that you don't like, which is different than saying that he's somehow like attempting to do something. I guess the difference being when I read things from older times where people do write like this, it's engaging Hmm. and I don't have a problem with it. And it feels like he's eking it in where it wouldn't naturally be were he from a time that spoke like this. I guess I'm also not uh, without a specific example. Like I'm not it's not easy for me to. Sure. Let's see if I can pick one before my battery runs out. Sure. We try this. See what happens. The Burl Warden dipped into a short apologetic bow, surrendering to Dritz's blunt honesty. Curious then, as you wish. You must know that you are not as we Damn it. You must know that you are not as we have come to regard drow elves. I beg that you take no offense. You know you're different. Don't be offended. But that's not the way of this world. Like, that's not... But that's what I'm saying. The way of this world doesn't have to be... It feels affected. Affected. Sorry. It feels affected. Feels like someone putting on a, a voice or an attitude. Almost like cultural appropriation, except it's... No, I'm saying, but that that attitude. Do you understand what I mean? No. You do agree there is such a thing as cultural appropriation? I don't know what you're talking about. Because I feel like the, the, <sighs> I, I'm just completely lost in your words. When someone affects 
the mannerisms and voice of what they think represents another culture. Seth Green, it can't hardly wait. What what culture? Do you understand that concept? I'm building up to this. Do you understand sure. the concept I'm talking about? Yeah. I, I, okay. Feels like R.A. Salvatore is spending so much time trying to make this sound a certain way, and he's not spending as much time on the book. I, I don't know how you can come to that conclusion. Then I'm not uh, articulating it well, and for that I apologize. I mean, uh, yeah, uh, my, my trouble is that I'm trying to look at the, the unchanging element that is the book and trying to think beyond the, this, the text where you would get the idea that he's like, again, this, this criticism of him, like your criticisms all come from this point of like criticizing him as a person. And that's the part that I don't understand how you can extrapolate. I'm not criticizing him as a person. Well, you're, you're talking about the things he's trying to do. You're talking about his I th- endeavors, his actions. I, well, in, I think in, he's trying to use a literary device he doesn't have a handle on. And that device is the style of speaking? The, the arch right, the arch syntax. Okay. Um, maybe, maybe I don't see that because I haven't read the things that you've read that feel like they've done it correctly. Sure. Uh, Cause it, it just doesn't bother me at all in this. It's like someone who's always trying to make the same joke well, over and over. And you're it's like, not that oh, it doesn't bother me at all. The feeling I'm getting is, Oh God, we're doing this again. Does that make sense? But instead of a joke, it's this writing style. Question. Is it specifically the dialogue writing or is it the writing? I feel like he, 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 he works it into the prose as well. It's not, there's less opportunity, and sometimes you're just describing a simple scene so it doesn't happen, but it is there. Yeah, I can I can appreciate getting, like, fed up with bad arch writing. Um, maybe that's all I'm saying. Maybe. But we agree um, it's bad. That wasn't exactly what I was saying. I know. Because, again, I don't, I don't know, like, I, I don't have the, this feels, this feels so run-of-the-mill that it's not, it's not worth calling bad. It feels mm-hmm. so, like, it's like, uh... It's like Domino's Pizza. It's like, yeah, sure, it's Domino's Pizza, fine. It's like, it's fine. That's it. It will never be more than fine. It's fine. Why do you want to? Why? Why get mad at it? I think we talked about this. I tried to make the same metaphor example. Yes, last week is like, this just is what it is. Like, it's it's. I don't think the the, the I think the thing about this book that to compare the criticisms that I made with Harry Potter to your criticisms of this book. Sure. I think the difference is that I that the, the audience and the praise for these books is so niche Mm -hmm. that like it feels like it it doesn't have the same sort of uh cultural impact and therefore the same sort of like presumed actual genuine goodness that harry potter i walked into harry potter with like i walked into harry potter thinking this is so massively successful it must be good i don't think that's what i'm saying i'm thinking no what i'm saying with this is like it's hard for me to like criticize this book as hard as I crit- as I would criticize Harry Potter because it feels so much less significant. You know what? That's I think I see what you're saying and that's fair. I am coming at it from a point of describing why it's not for me. Right. Right. And yes. that's that's completely valid and 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 great. But that, um, so so I guess that's what I'm saying. It's just 
this is man, I'm having a hard you. time with this approach. Right. And yeah. I wish he, it wasn't doing it all the time because it feels like, yeah, dude, I get it. Old timey. Right. Every time it happens, you it's that thing where you feel like someone's telling the same joke and you're like, ah, like fucking move on. Yes. Yeah, I get it now. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess, yeah, it's easier for me just to like write that shit off right now is because it's just like, eh, whatever. Because I don't think I disagree with you. Like, I don't think I disagree that it is grading. Um, it, it is, it is uh, saccharine in a, in a couple of in ways. But at the same time, like, again, I'm tr- I, I've been trying to think about this, these books as animated shows mm-hmm. and thinking about how the dialogue would work in an animated show. And I don't hate it. If I think about it like that, if I think about it like I'm watching a cartoon and I and I read the the descriptions of everything else going on as at, like line notes or like uh you know scene descriptions, and then I actually just listen to the the dialogue as actual dialogue and imagine someone trying to say it with a cadence that I can make it work in a way that feels like it it feels like a high fantasy story. Sure. And I'm, I'm not running into this feeling that the, it, it helps. It makes it so that I don't have as much of a problem with like, well, that's not the right way to say this. It, I feel like it's very easy for me to let, to let go of probably a, uh, a hypercritical look at these things because it feels like to me, it's like, yes, this is exactly what I would expect from high fantasy from this kind of arch stuff is this kind of language. And I think that's I think that's all it is. I think it's I've always had a harder time with that kind of overly serious, mm-hmm. you know, like it, like, mm-hmm. like like Prince Valiant. Like I'm just skipping past that shit. I'm like, get me get me back to California. Yeah, and that, I think that like like I know this is just me talking about the world of death readers, um, not the world of all literature. But like I think that's one of those things that Harry Potter does very well is it does have a very easy to read, modern, conversational writing style and this book doesn't it doesn't even have to be modern just just you know casual Um, and comfortable but again like that's if if we're just talking about personal preferences fine but i don't think it's like i i i'm i would never argue that your personal preferences are incorrect for you that's your deal i but like i guess that the reason i uh resist when you say those things because i i guess i'm listening with the expectation that you're coming from it from an objective point of saying like when he's doing these things, it's bad because of, like, you know, this reason that has to do with it actually a detriment to the book, not a detriment to my enjoyment of the book. Right. And I'm so self-centered, everything is about my yeah. enjoyment. Well, that wasn't <laughs> insincere. I, was, I wasn't being sarcastic. I was genuinely agreeing with you. No, I know. Um, I, I know. <laughs> the, uh, cause, yeah, like, I mean, I agree. Like, especially, like, some of those chapters where he like he he talks about Dritz like things like Dritz would never forget the the gnome's name and it's like why say that and then to literally have him forget it but why even like what is it at it, it, that those are the mo- those are the lines where it feels like you're trying too hard to be epic you're you're trying it, it, that's the thing that you were saying I think earlier it, it feels like the author's trying really hard to be like significant and and impressive and like epic by adding this like air of eternity to these moments these fleeting uh incidents that mm-hmm. could easily flutter and dissipate in the solution of a, a dark elves eternal life 
but because he adds this solidifying agent and he, he sort of like makes them more important these these like moments as if to make dritzt himself more important but these moments all almost always just feel insignificant but again maybe we're too old for this book maybe if we were 12 or 13 this would be the fucking best thing i don't know i was 12 or 13 when this was written and uh, i don't think i've changed at all and i will say as i said about harry potter perhaps a lot of people think these books are great from nostalgia and not from a like critical mm. like perspective I I don't again I don't I don't really I'm mean, being very critical now but I don't hate these books. I don't think they're like must reads. I don't hate them but I definitely have a harder time mm-hmm. going through it. I, I think this do. would be again I, and again part of what I'm doing is I'm reading it thinking how how it would be fun to read it as a or to see it as like an animated series on like Netflix like to see like I think that would be really fun. Sure. And pretty cool. But and and a lot faster. I would argue that net Netflix would add some fun, but yeah, I think that the, the fun would get, I think you'd get the fun from taking out all the descriptions and animating them. <laughs> like just having someone show you and just like, you know, like do the work for you and just show you what the thing looks like. No, but I'm saying like, like all the other house door and draw would have, you know, different personalities and distinct. Oh yeah. Like Jarl Axel. Oh man. He would be so suave and, and cool. He'd be a perfect introduction to season two. I mean, that's, that's, that's a, that's a great uh, persnickety point, except he's not of House to Word. Oh, man. I was, like, extrapolating off what you said. Like, I was taking what you said and agreed, and then yes, ended it almost. Like, I agreed and supplemented, and then... Well, see, it sure sounded like you were, you were like, oh, that character already exists, what a, idiot. What a strangely defensive, self-centered position to take. <laughs> Look, we can't no. agree it's all about me, right? Damn it. Anyway, uh, do you have anything else to say about this chapter? Yeah. Okay. What the hell does Mega Camerara mean? I don't know. I think it's like, God damn. Okay. Uh, and then I ended with, there's a joke about chopped mushrooms in here, but uh, it's not worth the effort. Maybe it's like saying bullshit. Like you're like, bullshit. Like you're calling somebody out. I bet it's probably like exactly bullshit. I bet Mega karama or whatever it is is like means animal poop of some special kind that makes sense like like bantha poodoo or something these nerds are all like they all like doing the same shit yeah you're gonna make some dice mushroom joke i was saying there's one here but i i just can't it's not good enough to repeat no i didn't i didn't have anything i just i couldn't put the effort into it when you killed all the mushroom people i was just like okay but it was worth bringing it up. <laughs> On that, we can't agree. <laughs> that was sarcasm. No. How could you tell? <laughs> That's all I've got. Okay, that brings us to... Chapter 9, Whispers in the Tunnels. Uh, my first note, and I'm going to say a note before I say the summary because it has to do with the title. Okay. Uh, Whispers in the Tunnel is perhaps too similar to Chapter 2, Voices in the Dark. I mean, I, clearly he likes The Hobbit. It seems like the well you doth go to much. Yea, um, verily. Yeah. Yea, verily, uh, R. A. Bobby Salvatore. 
You go to the well so often, lest you come back empty-handed. What? Nothing. It's fine. Everything's fine. Why? <laughs> what triggered in your brain that set it aflame and then nothing, caused nothing. your, your I'm mouth fine. to, to I'm silence? I'm fine. I'm fine. You didn't... It's not that you just did the very thing I'm talking about, where people just butcher medieval syntax at Ren Fairs. And you couldn't possibly conceive that I did it deliberately. Of course I could. And even you the conceive that I reacted to it deliberately. And even no, because you <laughs> because you stopped yourself from reacting, which means that your reaction was genuine. That's how which, good my acting is. No, I'm reacting. Well, no, no. Reacting, you wouldn't have stopped reacting if you were reacting in in the acting sense. Your stifling betrays you. <laughs> you don't know about my personal character biography. Summary. <laughs> Pearls before swine, I swear. Death fills the cavern surrounding Blingdenstone. Deep known patrols discover the corpse of other underdark denizens piled around the tunnels and pathways near Blingdenstone, too close for comfort. A gnome CSI deduces the creatures were killed by a drow blade, and eventually the gnome leader's suspicions turn to drist. But we, the audience, know that it is actually the spirit wraith Zachnafine, who's slaughtering goblins and myconoid in his search for the outcast drist. Yeah. I have no notes. I wrote... Clearly, I, I, I honestly, I don't remember if this, I think this is because the gnomes are having a little conclave talking about what to do. Is that right? At the sure. beginning of this chapter? Wait. Uh, uh, yeah. It's, it's either gnomes or house door. And I, all I wrote was, let's do something. Let's not do something. Let's do something. Let's not do something. It's what, how those pages felt. Right. right. Uh, just like, and then they finally decided to do something, I think, but... <laughs> That was my engagement with this chapter. And then at the end, I had a question which sounds far more sarcastic than I, I think I, I meant. I think I actually meant it as an actual question is, will Zach regrow a personality? <laughs> which, which by which I mean, they made a, a point of him like uh, trying to say a word, like 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 trying to articulate something, giving input and reacting to it on his own. Does that mean some essence of Zach will come back? So I was curious if that's going to happen. Yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting uh, guess. Is it? Okay, cool. Let's move on to... Chapter 10, Belvoir's Guilt. Summary. This is a big character-building chapter for Dritz and Belvoir, who I fear will not live beyond this book. The two friends overcome their self-doubts and venture off into the tunnels of the Underdark with a gnomish mining expedition. The expedition finds a goblin band in the tunnels and scares them away with drow magic. Zachnafine is alerted to Dritz's presence in the tunnels and immediately begins pursuit, but by the time he reaches and slays the goblins, Dritz's trail has run cold. No notes? No. There's, I mean, here's the thing. These books are... A series of events? They're popcornish. Yeah. Like, they, they, like, I run through them and they run through me. And I feel I feel like this is a great example of that, where like I'm not finding any any like they're they're just so surface level, you know. Ironically, mm -hmm. for being in the Underdark, uh, they're they're very surface level in terms of what you get out of them. Like they're 
there's a little bit of fun heroic adventure and a little bit of fun heroic character development slowly, but like they do kind of feel like homework. So as, as I would do with homework, I essentially find passable, but disinteresting. I'm just moving through it. Like that's, mm-hmm. I feel like I, I, I'm glad you keep taking notes because I feel like these would be terrible books to do on our show because <laughs> I have nothing to say about them because they don't really mean anything. They are, like you said, just a series of events that kind of happen in a way that feels in some way forgettable. I'm really hoping that's just the fucking prequels talking. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to hold out hope until we prove it otherwise, until our hypothesis, until our methodology reaches the point where we can make a conclusive decision. But like, then there's sometimes like where I, I have fun with, I mean, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in liking it sometimes. Like, I think that like little things like, Dritz uh, losing his cool and and destroying the 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 basilisk, basilisk. thing that was fun. That was like, kind of fun. I, I like the, th- the the fear of being like shit. Is he gonna kill those children? Yes, I actually like, had I had concern that he was going to ruin everything he created. Yeah, and, and like and and through some sort of like PTSD, mm-hmm. um, like those moments are kind of fun. But they and I don't know. I I, I also feel like we're we could just being way too harsh on it. Like. I keep thinking about like these chapters with Belwar and the development of their friendship is not, it's not bad. Like I, I kind of like them as two like kindred spirits who are like through their own trauma have been essentially exiled from their own by their on their own will from their own societies based on the trauma they've endured. Okay. And there's, there's like, and the idea that Dritz is able to like, they're both able to see that in each other and Dritz is able to help pull Belwar out of his funk and thereby Belwar is able to pull Dritz out of his. I, I, I'm, it's, it's, it's very, I think it's just easier for me to get past the like archness and the roteness of like a lot of the like over the top anime build up stuff. Like all the shit happening in Menzo Berenstain is not it's all flash, no mm-hmm. substance. But then there's this other stuff that feels kind of substantial. It feels kind of like, feels a little meaty. Sure. Um, but it also feels like, I wish, I just wish there was more of it. I wish I wasn't so, I wish it wasn't so feast and famine, I guess is what I'm really trying to say. Fair enough. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> um, I have no notes in this chapter. Do you have any notes in this chapter? Um, I kind of had a note about being slightly disappointed that, Belwar's guilt was just that same event. Like, for whatever reason, I thought it was going to be something else. And it was just back to the same event from his point of view. It makes sense. I just, I thought, I thought it was just going to be some other thing that I get to learn more about. And it said it was just that again, which is fine. It makes sense. I just went somewhere else, I guess. Um, and then, so at the end of this, correct me if I'm wrong, Salvatore is implying that Zach can't detect. Dritz in Blingdenstone? That's what I understood also. Okay, but there's never a scene where they've they've mentioned that you can't be tracked here or why he is able to track him without the thing he threw away. But only in the tunnels, not in the city. None of that's made clear yet. None of that's spelled out for us, no. Yes, there was a slight bit of sass. There was a little bit of English on my tongue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was. Someone's got his dander up. His knickers in a twist, as it were. I, I I believe that you were correct in your assumption that it has not been explained. Like a good story would do. But but like a good reader, you picked up 
on what I believe is the correct answer or the the the, the thing that's happening. Hmm. So maybe you could just trust yourself a little more and lean into it and be like, oh wow, maybe he can't track him in Blankton Stone. Wonder if I'm right. I'm gonna keep reading. Maybe I could do all the heavy lifting for him. Well, I mean, Belwar can't. He's only got a pick and a hammer for hands. But he can mine with the best of them. <laughs> do you have any more notes? Nope. Then that brings us to... Chapter 11. The Informant. Summary. Jarlaxle finds his fortune selling information on Menzo Baranzan to the Deep Gnomes. After much bartering, he informs the gnomes that Matron Malice is searching for Dritzt, and that, should he be found in Blingdenstone, all the contents of the coffers and coin purses in the Deep Gnome Kingdoms couldn't buy her son's safety from her wrath. And thus, Dritzt is expelled from Blingdenstone. But he is not alone. Belwar has joined the reluctant Dritzt on his journey. I have no notes. I just wrote foreshadowing. Which, arguably, this whole chapter is. Um, I think I was specifically picking something out. I don't know if it was Belwar's death. I don't even remember now. I just remember, oh, that's clearly foreshadowing. And I wrote the word foreshadowing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think Belwar's... I think Belwar's dead. Yeah. But, like I said earlier, I think he's dead before the end of this book. It feels... God damn it, I wish these books didn't feel so predictable. And I, I hope I'm wrong, because we, we talked about this in the last episode, this idea of, like, it feels predictable, but at the same time, we've been surprised. Yeah. So. I mean, but. No, I got nothing. All right. Do you have any notes in this chapter? No. Okay, I like that. I like the friendship. Like, that's what's going to suck so much about when Belwar dies, is that I really like that Dritz found himself you know, the character, na- like, Dritz, two hands, finds himself with a best friend gnome who has no hands. And, like, there's all these little things I find cute about their relationship, about, like, the, their, the way that they're kindred. I like it. I like their relationship. I think it'd be fun to see, you know, tall dark elf with tiny deep gnome, like, doing, being a badass duo with a big panther at their side. But that's the thing. Dritz and the Panther have to be the duo. So fucking Belwar's odd man out and he's going to fucking die. Zacnafine's going to cut his fucking head off or something like that. And we're just going to be without him. So it's that thing of like, what I resent about this book is this, all this fucking buildup about this relationship with this character that's just going to result in the character's predictable death. And in, in its predictability reduces the impact it has on the character of Dritz de Worden. That right. I would like, I would like for all of it to uh, in form for later books and maybe it does but right now it feels like it feels like looking at a school lunch schedule like oh great i can't look forward to spaghetti and meatballs because i fucking know it's coming on thursday like there's no surprise in that right the surprise would be if they said spaghetti and meatball on thursdays and then it was hot dogs or something i'd be like whoa i thought we were getting i thought we were getting something different what a twist but it's like this just feels like, oh, no, there's the spaghetti meatballs. Yeah, I, okay. Moving on. Like, it, it just feels insignificant. And that is a bummer because I'm we're still because we're reading the book because people read these books. Right. Um. Anyway. All right. Let's wrap this podcast up. Uh, that What does that bring us to? Part three, friends and foes. 
Summary. I don't even know what to say here. Dritz reiterates that he spent time with Deep Gnomes and that he and Belwar are friends and suggests that some great tragedy will befall them in the future. It's not redundant or obnoxious or time-wasty at all. <laughs> I know this was a pretty uh, beefy section of the book, Rob. Do you have any notes on it? Uh, Just that I wrote the word hope. Hope? I guess start stop writing these one-word notes because I don't know what the fuck I'm talking you about. You should me. really extrapolate. Uh, I think it's because in the last sentence of the chapter, he says, with my friends behind beside me, I dare to believe that I would not have. Sorry, hold on. I have to go back a sentence. Mm-hmm. Uh, I witnessed life as I always hoped it would be. I could not return to simply surviving. With my friends beside me, I dared to believe that I would not have to. Thus, Drist's Taz hope. See, that sounds more like foreshadowing to me. Yeah. Because it's it's the thing that's like, okay, like, my understanding is that Dritz ends up a, a member of a party of characters who do adventures together later. Um, Boy, sure I'm glad I've got friends. My life is so good right now. Nothing could ever take that away from me, is what this or, read is. Or, I finally understand the value of friends, and I never want to be without that again, because that's what makes life rich. So even if I'm not with, even if my friends, the deep gnome succumb to some sort of nameless and opaque tragedy, I'll still find friends <laughs> like the friends I find in book four of the Drift Stewart series, the crystal shard written by R.A. Salvatore and Available wherever fine books are sold. And remember that you still have to read one more book and the second half of this book to get to that book. <laughs> So, hope you don't want a good book for another book and a half or more. Uh, <laughs> it really does. It does. It just feels like too much. Of that subtext, yeah. It, it just feels like it's like we're okay. So at this point in the trilogy, we're halfway through, right? That's where uh, we ended. Yes. Yes. Okay, we're halfway through the trilogy. I can. I'll, I'll say now that I think your possible. It is possible that your suggestion from the last book that perhaps this is all way too inflated to make it overly grand, to make it more significant than the story actually might be worth. I think that might be true. Cause high fantasy comes in threes. Yeah. And, and it seems like that these, well, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> apparently there's, apparently there's a, a, a later Dritz Dorden chunk of books that is a quintuplet. Sure, sure, but I mean minimum. Sure. Your your Lord of the Rings, your The Hobbit. The Hobbit. <laughs> the uh the, the five books that comprise the Terror and the Wanderer series. The Black Cauldron in it. That's that's just three books. Um Susan Cooper's The Dark is Rising's four books. So I think I made my case. Okay. Um, the uh, I I anyway, I think I think you're right. I think that it's it's a uh, it's a bit extended. Yeah. Because I feel like we have you could break these these books down to like a couple of key character moments and a whole lot of build up to those character moments. Mm -hmm. And then I think those character moments are supposed to be the things that inform the character that premieres in the Crystal Shard. And I think that's what these books are all about. They're all about overly justifying who the character is by the time everybody met him. Right. 
And that's the that, that's the part that, and I said this at least before, maybe not in the last episode, but the episode before, that's what makes us feel like Solo, a Star Wars story, in the way that it's overly developed. It's It, it solves too many, I'm sure, mysteries that people loved in A Crystal Shard. Leaves nothing to the imagination. It leaves, ironically, from how much you've been criticizing it not explaining enough, it doesn't leave anything to the imagination here. Hey, I'm just saying what you're thinking, not what I'm thinking. And I'm just reiterating what you're saying I'm thinking. Got it? Yes. <laughs> I, I, I Okay, my, one of my, my last note is I do think it's kind of funny that I insist on, on us reading these last two pages uh, of the part three to start this next section because it would make so much more sense just to read that as the start of the next episode. But that's not how we've done it, and it's not how we're ever going to have done it. So uh, that brings us to the end of the episode for the next episode. We're going to be reading chapter 12 through chapter 18. Stop at chapter 19. You don't have to keep saying it like I'm some sort of idiot who needs to be told where to stop every single time. But as you've mentioned last episode, yeah. it's a no it's a zero sum game for me. Yes. Because either I do the thing you tell me I don't have to do. Yeah. Or I don't do the thing you've told me I don't have to do, and you don't do what you needed to be told to do. Okay, so here we're having a breakdown of listening on your part. And that is, you don't have to say it that way. You can still impart that information. Oh, But okay, you don't have to say it like, you don't read past 19. That's not what Don't I read said, 19 like... at all. Only read 18 to the end of 18. <laughs> And now you're Emo Phillips. <laughs> Once again. Yeah. I you're have excuse a me of being self-centered again, right? Where I, I apparently I sound super sarcastic uh-huh. when I'm just doing what I thought we had agreed upon was the right thing to do, which was to I thought I thought what helped you in the past was telling you which chapter not to read. And so I was doing that. And again, yes, a, it does help. In a, in a poignant, tone-changing way to call your attention to, this is the point of the information that you need to pay attention to because it's the difference. I'm not a dog. You don't need to modulate your tone to speak to me. Don't I? <laughs> oh, he's got my attention. What are we <laughs> talking about? You're going to be a good boy and you're not going to read 19. No, I don't no, know no. this game anymore. Not 19. See, you did this to me earlier. Um, (laughs) So we won't read chapter 19. Is that the kind of inflection you prefer? (laughs) I mean, now that you've made a big deal out of it. I made the big deal. Indeed, it was all on me. (laughs) Because as we know, it's all about me. I'm done. You done? Yeah, I'm done. All right, I got nothing else to say about this book. So... Uh, let's, uh, wrap it up. Do you have any new words? I don't have any I, new words. I don't read words anymore. This book isn't giving me any new words to learn that aren't nonsense. <laughs> That's fair. <clears throat> like, I'm not gonna, I don't need to look up what, a what blinged in stone Menzo, ben, Menzo Baranzan or Svartobliebs are because I get them all <laughs> through context. If anything, like, you know what would be great to do for these books is instead of having a new word alert, you had a new pronunciation alert where, like, you got, it, it was explained how to say these fucking garbledy keyboard smashings. 
But I'm but again, we know the author doesn't give a shit about that, so we won't either. Right. Anyway, that was Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. Thanks for listening. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. These reviews help new listeners find us and join the discussion. Follow us on Twitter and like our new Facebook page for Death Readers News. Become a patron at Patreon slash Death Readers. And please discuss us extensively on Reddit. Welcome to Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. This is episode 105 of Death Readers, the podcast where Rob and I discuss the books we're reading for the first time and share our thoughts and notes with each other. If this is your first time listening, we suggest you read Exile, book two in the Dritz Jordan series, chapter six through chapter 11, before listening to this episode. That way you, too, can follow along with our conversation. Say, Mr. Doug, did you hear about the guy from Poughkeepsie who got into vaudeville? No, I didn't. Oh. What about him? Um, he, he, he did a good job. Yes. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> Is that you saying you want me to do it over? <laughs> no, I just, I was just like, I'm just like, where is this voice coming from? I'm very interested in that. It was my take you off guard with how quickly I could go from us not being in the show to being in the show. Ah, because like all I need to do is be able to stick with it and I can and I can get us there. Hey, man. I mean, except that you went into this weird Poughkeepsie thing. <laughs> did I or did I meet you there? That's St. Louis. Poughkeepsie's in St. Louis. Is it? I don't know. What kind of talk are you doing? <laughs> what, kind of, what are you saying? Isn't Albuquerque just three shakes of a lamb's tail? Pismo Beach and all the clams I can eat. We yeah, should get know. started. I don't. Okay, okay so what, you want me to restart? No, <laughs> like, no, no. We should move on. <laughs> Why do you always look like you have a headache when we talk? I, I don't know. I, I think it has something to do with the aches in my head that come to me when we talk. Call me crazy, but I think that's a part of it. <laughs> Now I'm self-conscious. Now you make me feel like I need to restart the show. No. Too late. Is there any housekeeping? I mean, I'm just saying, like, if I could restart now, you could be more comfortable. You could be prepared. You could have yourself all readied up. And then you could take this whole chunk and put it at the end of the episode. I'm already doing as that. A, as a treat. So, because I am restarting, right? Because that's what you're expecting? No, because because I derailed us. Because I can't keep a single thought in my head, apparently. I can't keep my Poughkeepsie shut. Put it away. Put it away. Housekeeping. <laughs> There's no way to like to 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 show someone how quickly that happened. <laughs> Did you ever see that Will Ferrell uh, audition thing he did where he was like? His, you have to do impressions for Saturday Night Live, and so he did the impression of a cat, and it's just him playing with the ball of yarn, and he just... He's just doing stuff like that. That's what it was like. It was like watching you go from being a normal, functioning human to some sort of creature who's just fascinated with pens and how they click. And you, it looked like you were just lost. It looked like your... your 
your your mental self, your 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 identity as Rob just disappeared <laughs> and evaporated while as much of your attention as was left over was focused on the clicking of the pen. I mean, it's a really fa- fascinating mechanism. Yeah, but like I got to say, it didn't look like you were fascinated. It looked like you were transfixed. I think those are totally different focus levels. I think Welcome to Death Readers. <laughs> okay, you want to start again because you want to get that to. mojo I back. To. I have to. I have to. You can. Go for it. Welcome to Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. This is episode 105 of Death Readers, the podcast where Rob and I discuss the books we're reading for the first time and share our thoughts and notes with each other. If this is your first time listening, we suggest you read Exile, book two in the Dritster Warden series, chapters six through chapter 11, before listening to this episode. That way, you can follow along with our conversation. Why are you doing radio voice? Don't do radio what voice. What are you talking about? If you this is this is podcasting. No, you always are so conversational, and like this time, you sound like like the 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 announcer at the World's Fair. Oh, so you're you're mad at my pizzazz? It's not pizzazz. It's it it's, sounds like pizzazz. I think you think it sounds like pizzazz. What does it sound like to you? Pizzazz. You sound like the 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 narrator on Jurassic Park. Richard Kiley. <laughs> Mr. D, Mr. Dino DNA. Oh, Mr. DNA. From their blood. <laughs> Just be conversational. But I have to, like, it. I think it's because you're reading it, because you never sound like this unless you're, you're seeing it and you're like, oh. I, I oh. See, that's the thing is, I think it sounds better when I, like, I get through the, like, the compulsory introduction. Like, as long as that's clear and concise, then we can move on to the actual meat of the show. This is the uh, garnish of our show that lets people know what they're eating. And I'm like saying you know, don't give them a pickle it, sandwich. It needs to be presentable. And I feel like this is what it would sound like. This is It sounded like this for a hundred episodes, okay? okay? It sounded like... Welcome, Desiree. I'm Doug. Uh, is if uh, if you're listening, this is Death Readers. We uh we read a we read a Harry Potter, and uh, uh if you 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 should read with us, cause like I don't know, like why not? Uh, and also, uh, these are the chapters. Um, who am I forgetting? Um, yeah, like uh, we 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 think you should listen along because that way you can understand. And um, yep. Yeah. Did I miss anything? And now I don't have to sound like that. I can sound like, I mean, I get what you're saying is I don't have to sound like a, a ringmaster. Yes. But like, I feel like that is, I, I guess for me, the ringmaster voice is is like a shield from sounding, from feeling like I sound dumb anyway. So I, if I, I accentuate the sounding dumb, it feels like, yeah, of course this sounds dumb. It sounds dumb. I see what you're saying, but people don't know it sounds dumb until you they tell them do. you think it sounds dumb. Oh, no. they sh- No. You no. think so little of our listener. You think that that listener doesn't have 
any capacity to to understand what is and isn't dumb. I don't. Listener, the one of you listening, I know that you think that it sounds dumb. Okay, how about this? You just do it however you want, and I'm not going to give you any notes. Listen, you do, you just do whatever you want. I use you want to do it like a like a it's circus me clown. Washing my hands. You want to do it like a like a like a fortune teller. <laughs> uh, you want to do it like a dentist. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> and see, now people will finally hear what I have to deal with. I guess. But, like, in my defense, you did say, use, do it however you want. <laughs> Put the fucking pen away! Alright. You're like, you're like, like, it's, I know that there's a movie with a kid who's like a fire starter who just has a light. You're, oh, I know what it is. You're that, it's that kid from, uh, it's the, it's the, the it's the character from Quills. The, the arsonist character. You haven't seen Quills, have you? God damn it, Rob. Sorry. I've tried so hard to get you to watch the movies that you need to watch. <laughs> I, I've purchased them for you. I've handed them to you. I've literally gift wrapped them. I, I tried to watch the one and my wife said, ah, I'm not in the mood. That's not trying. That's suggesting. <laughs> that's, that's, you know, being open to the idea of doing a thing and then not doing it. That's not the same as trying. What did I say? You said trying. Eh, it sounds the same. It isn't. Um, <laughs> Trying would be like I I tried watching it, man. I couldn't I couldn't watch couldn't continue watching it. Like what you did with extra. Totally understandable. Well, this is a good, a good twenty minute bonus episode. Um. Okay, so now I'm gonna do it again. Okay. And I'm gonna try to do it like, in your. I'm gonna I'm gonna take all your notes. <laughs> I'm going to take all of your uh, helpful criticisms. How, Thank you for this opportunity. However and, you want to do it. And I'm, Just have fun with it. Have fun with it? Yeah. yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> so contentious. Well, it's that it's like what I've come to call uh, calling the shotgun, which is when you know what a joke's going to be. And I like that. I actually it's, like it's, that. It's what I've been saying to my wife every time I predict something correctly. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to call the shotgun on this one, and uh, I think it's this. Every time you predict something correctly for the last two days since you coined that phrase? Yep. Minted it, as it were. So, what's the deal? No. Go ahead. Um, okay, well, uh, <clears throat> thanks for listening to the end of the episode, listener. We'll see you next time. <laughs>